You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. So, yeah, we're going to be staying in the NFC West. Um, we've got the, the Seahawks and the Cardinals, and we've got two fantastic guests on our show here and now. We've got um, we've got representatives of Ball Blast Football. Um, so we've got the fantastic Alex Matteo. You can follow on Twitter at AlexMatteo94. I hope I've not butchered your name there. And also we've got Kai Brewer, who you can follow on Twitter at Kai Squared. So just want to say good evening to you both guys, or maybe good afternoon where you are in the world. I'll go. You go? I'll go. Good. Well, good evening. It, uh, it's just about evening over here where I am in uh, Houston, Texas. Um, had a had an interesting day. You guys are killing it, raising some Appreciate good money it. for a good cause. I've been trying to dip in and out and listen to you guys. Some great talks as well. Couldn't be happier that we're here hanging out with you guys, talking football and helping some people that need some help after what was a pretty long year for everybody. So. Couldn't, no, couldn't be more excited. What's up, Alex? Oh, what's up, Kai? Nice to be on the show with you, Kev. Ali, appreciate yes. you having me on. Really glad to be here. Like Kai was saying, just want to reiterate it. You guys are doing it for a great cause, mental health awareness. It's one of those. It's always a negative stigmatism, but in reality, it shouldn't be treated that way. It's like if you have a broken arm, people aren't going to be like, oh, why are you getting a cast? It's the same type of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Love that analogy. That's uh, that's perfect. And, yeah, it's, it's for a great cause. I know we've had um, some recent spotlight on, on the NFL forum with uh, Diego Chat coming, speaking recently about his, his struggles. And I think everybody uh, in, in one sense or another has, has the struggle. It's just really important that we, we talk about it and we support uh, ventures like we have. So, yeah, it's, it's for a great cause. And, we have got a fantastic hour with you guys, so let's jump in, uh, first of all, with the Seahawks. Yeah, let's do it. So, let's start with Russell Wilson, um, long-time Seahawk, long-time really good fantasy producer, um, but his ADP's been pushed down slightly again this off-season to the, the QB9 in Dynasty Startups. So, my question is, are you guys still happy to roll with, with Russ as your QB1 in Dynasty Superflex Leagues? Um, so yeah, like I say, his ADP is it's the QB nine. He's going right at the back end of of round one at the one twelve. Personally, I'm still I'm still rolling with Russ. Last year, he's had a career high in attempts and touchdowns. He was seven yards away from his career high there. Not to mention the change in offensive coordinator, bringing in Shane Waldron from uh, the Rams, who was the passing game coordinator last few years. He's going to be able to play to his strength. There's he's going to get the ball out quick. Lockett's going to have more of a stable floor. DK is still going to do his thing. And who knows, there might be some uh, supplemental targets that might be some value this year. Yeah, and I think with all the Seahawks, that, and we're going to get into it, believe me, we'll get into it, uh, is the, the issue is going to be which Seahawks team are we going to see going forward? Are we going to see the first half of last year where Russ was cooking, he was spreading the ball around, tons of points flying everywhere. The defense was horrible and they were putting up 30, 40 points a game. Or are we going to see the Seahawks team that, that the, the, at least the, the up tops want, which is run the ball, play some solid defense and go home. Uh, we would obviously all prefer the former. We would prefer yeah. this offense to run that way. More points. That's great. DK will get his, um, Tyler Lockett, Dwayne Eskridge, all kinds of weapons, Gerald Everett over there now, and we'll talk about all these guys. Mm-hmm. But that's the offense we obviously want to see. But I think regardless, when it comes to Russell Wilson by himself, the last time Russell Wilson wasn't a QB1, it was because he was in college. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I can't see a scenario where, where I'm not comfortable with him as my QB1. It comes in a different way than other quarterbacks you're going to have games where he's on fire and you're going to have games where you're disappointed that you didn't put Blake Bortles in instead you know (laughs) that's that's sort of how his games have been but if you're okay with that if you're okay with a boom and bust kind of quarterback then Russ is Russ is totally fine and uh, honestly because of that consistency I don't mind in dynasty I don't mind having him up towards the top ahead of some of these younger guys just because age is important, 
But I feel like, you know, there's no guarantee that any of these younger guys will outplay Russ because we've seen it before. We've seen some of these guys come up. I don't want to point out Baker Mayfield's rookie season, but we've seen people, you know, these the Josh Allens and Justin Herberts and Kyler Murray and all these guys. We've seen them that story before, but Russ is still still cooking. All the other people from his draft class, aside from Tannehill, are you know are are on the outs. Our G three Andrew Luck. He's he seems to be the last one standing. So. Um, I don't know. I'm comfortable with that. What do, what do you guys think? I want to know. Yeah, I think the first two words, when I think of Russell Wilson, I think of recency bias. Um, I mean, he did have a, a poor second half to last season. Um, there's no hiding away from that, but he still finished the QB6. He threw 40 touchdowns as well, which uh, I believe was the most of his career. It's, mm. it's, it's, he seems to get caught up in that recency bias and think, oh, he's, he's lost it. It's not very good. But like you said, QB won every single season of his career. He's 32 years old. He's got two fantastic weapons at wide receiver. He's got um, a tight end that's, uh, uh, we'll, we'll get on to later, he's an interesting sleeper uh, candidate. But I think with Wilson as well, where he's going in your drafts, QB 9, um, ADP of 112. I think he's, if, if you're going QB, double tapping it on the turn at the back of round one, if you're taking him and a guy like Trey Lance or Justin Fields, you're very happy with that start to get the the blend of uh, youth and experience. Yeah, and that's another thing with Russ that you said, like how you said the youth and experience. Russ, his floor is so stable. Worst finish was as a rookie QB 11. Otherwise, he's been QB 9 or better every single year. You can argue this is his best set of weapons. You got DK Metcalf, who still somehow hasn't even hit his physical prime yet. You got Tyler Lockett, who's on the back end of that prime. Chris Carson, who's like right – where you want to have your running back before you let him go. And Russ is only 32. He's not like he's Brady in his 40s, Rodgers late 30s. He's still got a good five to seven years. You get a guy like Russ early on at the 112, his ADP, like you said, you can take a swing for a guy like Lance, Fields, even Mac Jones a couple rounds later, just because you know you have that stability with Russ at the top of that QB1 position for you. Indeed. Have you got any closing thoughts on Russell Wilson, Ali? Yeah, just I think he's a great value there at QB9. Um, I think everyone's getting excited about Trevor Lawrence, so he's leapfrogged him and people like that. So absolutely, I'm happy to take him at that turn um, and just hope that they, they let him cook all season long. It was absolutely something beautiful to watch the first half of last season with, with Russell Wilson. He made it look easy. Um, so it was really difficult to see that fall off the second half of the season and they changed from a more run-heavy approach. But... Um, but yeah, he's, he's absolutely set up to to produce again this season. So um, he's a smash play for me. Yeah, you, you said beautiful to watch, and I'm a big Sierra fan as well. Uh, re really big fan of her music. So uh, another reason to like Russell Wilson as well. <laughs> so yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on to the running back spot, uh, and I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh, this backfield. Obviously, I'm a big Rashad Penny fan. I think that that ship sailed as such, but. I want to focus on the main man in this backfield, Chris Carson. He's got the dynasty ADP of running back 23. So I just want to know if you guys think he can be a running back one again in 2021 and beyond. I think RB1, that 10 to 12 range, is a little high just for the fact you know he doesn't have that elite, elite receiving upside. Granted, he did set career highs in every category for receiving last year targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns. And that was only in a 12-game span. So if he's healthy with what we already know he can do on the ground, finishes in 2019 and 18 at 12 and 16 respectively, it's definitely in a good realistic range for him. He was Last year he did have over 1,200 all-purpose yards and 12 touchdowns, and that would have been the 16-game pace for that. Yeah, and I, I think I want to echo that. I kind of feel the same way. He's... If in redraft, I'm comfortable, you know, if he's at your, if I'm stuck with him as my RB1, that's okay. In Dynasty, I'm looking for something more. I'm looking for a little bit more long-term upside. I mean, I know that we, he has the job for this year. If you look at his contract, he'll probably have the job next year as well, but he's not a guy who stays healthy all the time. He's not a guy, you know, who's has overwhelming talent, you know, Obviously, he shouldn't have fallen to the seventh round based on what he's done since being drafted. But he, he, yeah, he's always been that guy who's 
has to start, you know, with that big chip on his shoulder. He doesn't get all the same opportunities as everybody else. And that's just, that's just the reality of the position and the reality of the NFL game. But I, I enjoy having him on my team though. Every time I look at my team and I'm like, wait, Chris Carson's still around. I end up taking him. So I, I like the player. I like the spot. I like the offense. There's a couple of younger guys, you know, on the roster, but not anybody that you look at, you know, especially if Penny is on the outs, like it seems there's not anybody that I'm scared of. So if you tell me I have the starting running back for Russell Wilson for the next two years, that's, it's hard to find stuff like that. So just based on where other guys fall, yeah, I wouldn't mind having him, you know, around 15, 16, something like that. It just depends on how you feel about these younger guys that we just had, guys like Dobbins, uh, Gibson, um, some of the other guys. Obviously not Taylor, but, you know, Akers, <laughs> Swift, that bunch. If you, have, if you have Carson on one side of that bunch, I totally understand it. But if you have Carson on the other side of that bunch, you'd rather go with the youth. I totally understand that too. So that's why where I see him falling somewhere between yeah that 15 to 20 range based on how you feel about those other guys. Yeah, have you got I'm just going to say Ali, have you got much Carson in dynasty? I haven't actually. Um but he's someone that I always think about putting in an offer for um <laughs> for some reason back out. Uh but but Chris Carson's a perfect RB2 to have if you compare him with a younger guy like Akers or or Gibson um, or Jonathan Taylor or someone like that. Um, I think he's, he's brilliant uh, to have on your roster. He's got that at least one year, two year window where he's going to be a, an RB2 at the worst. Um, so uh, obviously the, the running back position is really volatile. So uh, to get someone that you know is going to produce, you know, good numbers for one or two years, I'm, I'm definitely happy to have him on my team. Right. And I like what you said, Ali, about pairing him with a younger guy, kind of like we were just talking about with Russ, is because it's somebody that's so solid and so consistent, at least for the for the short future, you can you can pair him with someone who has a bit more upside, and I think, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to basically reiterate that same sentiment, especially if you're trying to be a contending team. Carson's the exact kind of guy you want. He is such a safe floor when he's on the field. Hasn't missed too much time other than last year. But given the fact that it's also going to a 17-game season, they're going to want to keep their guys fresh. So you want the guy who can get that 70 to 90 yards on the ground and then also see another four to five targets a game and make something out of him. It's not like he's getting two targets for 10 total yards. He's putting them like 25, 30, 40 yards a game. Yeah, I think with Carson, I think because I've been such a big fan of Rashad Penny over the years, I've not actually had Carson in any dynasty league until this season now, but I've actually flipped it, which probably means a Rashad Penny breakout is impending. <laughs> um, we, we've started a few fantasy wildcard dynasty leagues this offseason, and um, I've actually ended up with Chris Carson in a couple of those places, my running back three. So I think because... The strategy that I sort of go for is the early running backs, early quarterbacks. He's often around in um, round round five, round six, like his ADP. And I think that's the spot where if you're getting him as your running back three, you, you're going to have an advantage over the field because he's someone that's this season's got that top 15 upside. I, don't, I, I know I asked a question about QB1, but that was a bit in jest. I think top 15 is definitely achievable in his range of outcomes for this season. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, we'll move on to from the running backs to the wide receiver corner, Ali. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Tyler Lockett, um, someone who he, he managed to finish somehow as the, the wide receiver eight in, in 2020, although it was very, very up and down. Um, he finishes wide receiver 13 in 2019 and then the wide receiver 17 in 2018. Um, but his current ADP is, is wide receiver 38. Um, why do you think people are so low on him for dynasty? And do you see that as a as a value, or do you think that's about right for his for his price? I think 38's a little like disrespectful, no other way around it. But I did take some notes on Lockett. So this past season, he had six games over 15 PPR points. Three of those six happened to be over 30. <laughs> Seven of the other the other 10 games, he finished under 10 points. It was that massive boomer bust that sell that 
has people really souring on him. Take away that 53-point game rate, those 20 targets for 200 yards, he had only one or two monster games. And, yes, I know, like, take away the best and the worst. That really is what the average is. But wide receiver 30, that's definitely uh, way too low. Regardless, he's going to put up wide receiver two numbers for you. It's one of those. It's just whether you're able to take the risk with his low floor. Yeah, and I'm 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 worried about Lockett, but not wide receiver thirty eight worried. Um, but mostly because yes, they uh, that's the issue, right? That's the issue: the recency bias, the the big boomer bust games. You know, there were three games where he won your week uh, last year. One of them happened to be week 17 when hopefully most people weren't playing. So it didn't (laughs) count, but there, you know, he can, he's shown the ability and even back into 2019 and before even that he's shown the ability to win a week. I think the problem stems now from DK Metcalf because that's what's changed in the last two years is he used to be this consistent guy ran a lot of underneath stuff, ran some deep routes. He would have some big games, but he always gave you, you know, 10 to 12 points in a, in a PPR, and you were fine with that as your wide receiver three, um, and you can get him a lot later in drafts back then. Nowadays, it you have to focus on one of those two guys or they're going to beat you because they're so good. Uh, and I think he's he's grown with Russell Wilson. That connection is even stronger than he has with DK. Uh, it's his his the weapon he's had the longest. They gave him a big contract extension this offseason. Maybe they should. Maybe they shouldn't have. But the fact is, he's got it. So he's going to be there for a long time. It's yeah. I'm I'm nervous about what we've seen last year and whether that's going to be what we see moving forward. But I, I agree. I think wide receiver 38 is is disrespectful. I think he's at least in the top 30, if not top 24 wide receivers, just because the security he has and the quarterback he's tied to and the offense he's tied to. Uh, I I think there's there's a much greater chance that he'll return back to how he was before than that we'll see as weird of a situation as we saw last year. But again, it goes back to what do you think about the Seahawks? Do you think that last year, that first half is what we're going to get? Or do you think that they, you know, they added an offensive lineman here, they drafted a couple guys there to to appease Russell Wilson, and they're just going to go back to this same old run-first approach when you have an MVP caliber quarterback? Yeah, it's, I mean, we just had a comment in the chat from uh, Cam Broadus who says, why do you see a 38 is blasphemy? And I, I, I agree with that. I think it's, it's shocking to me. I didn't realize it was that low. Um, just going back to the original question about why do I think people are so low on him in, in Dynasty, I think it's, it is that boom-bust nature that he had those monster games or them nothing games. Um, and I do feel kind of sorry for Tyler Lockett, actually, because he had that monster game um, at, at the Cardinals in Week 7 where he got 53 fantasy points. He, he got those 200 yards, the three touchdowns. But nobody remembers that. All they remember from that game is DK Metcalf, absolutely pacing down that field and making the tackle. Mm-hmm. Everybody forgets that that huge game. But just thinking about wide receiver 38, that's a wide receiver for most mm-hmm. dynasty leagues or most fantasy leagues even. Wide receiver four is, is generally a flex. And I think if you've got Tyler Lockett in your flex, that's someone you can feel really comfortable about giving you those boom weeks. And you're not, you're not as fussed with him maybe having a, a slow week, a, a dud week in your flex because you've got three other guys that are giving you giving you that floor, I guess. So wide receiver 38, bit of a steal. Yes, it's crazy. If you talk about Lockett being is one of your, your flex guys, typically my flex guy is someone that I change week in, week out, don't often keep the same one. But if you've got Lockett as your flex guy, just keep him in there and he's going <laughs> to... It's going to keep producing um, some crazy numbers. So, so that's that is an absolute steal. And then just one more Tyler Lockett point before uh, we go to the next topic. Both him and DK had over 115 targets. While it's not like 145, 150 targets per guy, Russell had career high in completions, and I really think the change in offensive coordinator going to make a huge difference. For Russ's game. I know the coach analysis is one of those very cliche things, but Waldron, in his years with uh, the Rams, 
he went out of his way to try and make things with McVeigh as idiot-proof for golf, as can possibly be per se. Now I have a quarterback like Russ, who is in a completely different stratosphere than golf. It's just going to open so many things up for him. You got two weapons, DK and Lockett, both elite pass catchers. Chris Carson, who's a good pass catcher. They spent a second-round pick on Eskridge. I really see it being more towards the first half where it's let Russ cook rather than having Russ simmer the second half at best. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I think as, as well with Lockett, just looking at the numbers, uh, last three seasons he's been a top 18 wide receiver, and he's gone 17, 13, and 8. So he's actually, he's actually improved every year um, with, with age. And, and actually I think his, his body type, his prototype, it's one that he's not going to hit 30 and then hit a wall. He's a guy that's potentially got a lot more longevity. So... Why do you see the 38? You might be getting a guy that's playing at a very comfortable level for the next three, four, five years, potentially, if you if you drop on and get lucky. Um, so, yeah, we'll move on to the next question about wide receivers. Um, an older guy, um, <laughs> Dwayne Eskridge. Um, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on um, the, pass, the pass offense, really, about the volume, if it's there to support guys like Eskridge. Um, he's currently going in rookie drafts in uh, round three at the 306 with a, an ADP of wide receiver 14. Um, what, what's your thoughts on Eskridge as a prospect to someone that you like or someone that you're going to swerve until you know that volume's there? As a prospect, I didn't really love Eskridge. The older breakout, not the best competition throughout college. Didn't really do much until the latter end of his college career. But that second round draft capital is something that has to be noted, especially with wide receivers, and you are attached to Russell Wilson. Am I ever going to see Eskridge as a top 25 wide receiver? More likely than not, not a chance. But he has a chance to be that wide receiver 38 ADP that Tyler Lockett <laughs> somehow stays respect of that. Always yeah. have to tie it around to that. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because they uh, teams um, can only – tell us certain things in the off season that we know are true. There's a lot of coach speak. There's a lot of, Oh, we love this guy and then trade him two minutes later, or, Oh, we couldn't live without this guy. And then they cut him before training camp. But what we, what we do know is when teams invest and give a guy an extension, when teams give uh, a guy high draft capital, those are moves that we know at least what the team wants to do, whether that happens or not, we'll, we'll see. That's up to the player. But that when they only had three draft picks and the only high one they had, they spent on a wide receiver that's presumably coming in as their third best option, you know, at best. I don't think anybody in the next couple of years expects him to pass Lockett or pass DK. But that says a lot. That says, hey, maybe this is the last piece of our offense that we need. I don't remember the last time the Seahawks had a – number three wide receiver that we were comfortable putting into our lineups. David Moore has been there holding that spot down for a while, but even back when they had, you know, Doug Baldwin or when they had Golden Tate, I don't really feel like there was ever that third guy to rely on. Maybe that's because the volume hasn't been there, but maybe that's because that's just not how they want their team to function, uh, to function roster wise. Uh, I, I'm kind of lukewarm on Eskridge as, as a prospect, but just with the investment that they made in him, there were other second round picks, but that was, you know, that was their one shot to shoot in this draft and they picked Eskridge mm -hmm. and their defense is far from a complete project, <laughs> you know, so that, that tells me a lot. And I, whereas just based on talent, uh, maybe I would have him, you know, in, in the range where he's going. But with the quarterback he's going to and with the investment that they made in him, I don't mind at all taking him, like, towards the end of the second in a rookie draft. Yeah, I know you're a big fan, Ellie. On our last show before the, the stream of fun, you actually highlighted mm -hmm. Eskridge as a guy you're really looking at in round three of rookie drafts. Yeah, just with that, that draft capital, like you said, that they could have gone – defense with that second round pick it was their you know their first pick they had in the draft and they they could have shored up the offensive line they could have gone defense but no they chose wide receiver so they see something in Eskridge um so that's what I'm really banking on the fact that he's going to such a good uh quarterback 
Uh, it's a good system. Um, I'm looking for him to be their wide receiver three. Um, so in the middle of the third, I'm I'm smashing Eskridge uh, for sure. Um, I think that's a that's a value right there. Yeah, middle of the third. That's absolutely like a great spot because at that point in the rookie draft, I'm looking for guys with the high ceiling. Right now, being tied to Russ, he does have a high ceiling in respect to other guys later on in that round. But at the same time, we can't rely too much on the situation. Look at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last year. Oh, my God, he's going to be the running back one overall. Take him over Saquon Barkley. Take him over Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> may have worked last year just for the fact that they were out, he was healthy over them. But it was just an awful process. A.J. Brown fading him the year before because of Tennessee. Yeah. But even though the situation is great, I always still like to go talent over the situation mm. in the long run. And I think the last last thing on Eskridge, I guess, is he's coming in as a 24-year-old guy. And we've actually seen the past couple of seasons that older wide receivers have come into the league and they've hit the ground running. Obviously, they're older guys have they've been playing football for longer. Um, guys like Terry McLaurin, uh, Calvin Ridley, they've come in and hit the ground running. I'm not saying that Dwayne Eskridge is going to hit those heights, uh, especially in this situation as such, but I think he could be a decent guy from year one, I think the, the, you, you hit the nail on the head about that they've spent a second round pick on a position that from the outside looking in is not of as big a need as, as you think, but that would suggest that they are going to let Russ cook and not let Russ simmer. <laughs> Maybe at least give the guy a toaster or, or something. <laughs> a grill, I don't know. Grill, and we're speaking of the grill, we we'll go to uh, <laughs> the dinosaur alley again. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll round off the Seahawks with the tight end position, yeah. So, someone I think is, is really interested in entering this season is Gerald Everett, having signed for the Seahawks. Um, so I just want to get your take, guys, on whether you think he's going to be involved much on this offense. Um, his current ADP is the tight end 29. So, do you, do you see that as about right, or do you think that is a bit low and he's a bit of a value at that price? I mean, I think he's a bit low, but I, I, I see why he's there. I, I, he was kind of blocked by Higby. They would use him in different ways and different roles while he was uh, in Los Angeles. But with, with, this, with this team, I feel like, I don't know if, if you are all familiar with the movie Mean Girls, but if you are or if you aren't, there's a character who's trying to make a word happen and make it a thing and it's never going to be a thing and that is fetch so oh fetch. it's not going to you always oh, trying to make fetch happen i feel like that's what they keep doing with the tight ends ever since they got it in their notion oh let's trade for for jimmy graham and get that last piece to put our offense over the top since then they've still been looking for that guy because that didn't work out quite the way they expected whether it's jimmy graham uh will disley greg olsen uh, all all kinds of guys, Luke Wilson, Jacob Hollister at times. Russ works with all these guys. I feel like anytime somebody gets the targets, then they have a great week and the bar is so low at tight end that I could easily see it happening. But it's just so, so weird that I seem to, they keep trying to make it a thing and it never works out for whatever reason. Sometimes with Graham or with Disley, it's been injuries. With Luke Wilson, his age finally caught up to him. There's there's reasons why none of these guys have worked, but it's just it makes me nervous because I liked him. I liked the opportunity that he was gonna get, that he was gonna leave, find his own team, be separate from Higby, not have to deal with that anymore. But I don't know. It's it's odd. I don't think that's high enough for him. I think where he's going is a little bit too low. But it's it's just it's just hard. The bar is so low at tight end that you know at some point it's just take a shot on anybody. <laughs> yeah, and in a division where you got the Rams who want to be scoring the ball at a high rate, especially now that they got Stafford in. San Fran obviously traded up for Trey Lance, potentially a high-powered offense. Then you got uh, Arizona, another high-powered offense led by Kyler Murray. Seattle's going to have to put up points to keep up with them. When they get in the red zone, Everett does have the size and the build. They're going to be focusing on DK in the red zone. I could see Everett sneaking in a quiet 
five, six touchdown season, and that would just automatically by default with how horrendous the tight end position has been, have him finish well above that tight end 29 ADP. Well, mm-hmm. and Alex, like you were talking about, who's who's in charge now? Who's calling the plays coming yeah. over from Los Angeles? I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, Everett went Everett that followed, way. Yeah. I don't know if that means, you know, there was, you know, more than just a, hey, come here. There's a great opportunity. Maybe there's more of, hey, come here. I have a role for you in yeah. my offense. Please come here. So I don't know. It's in, it's very intriguing. And that's all you can hope for at tight end, really, is intrigue. <laughs> yeah, tight end 29, it's a beautiful spot for Gerard Everett. I'll be, I'll be definitely dipping in at that price. How about you, Ali? Yeah, yeah, me too. I like the talent. Um, I like his opportunity here. It's just such a wasteland, isn't it? If you get past tight end six or seven, then it's just a race for the the, the next 12 spots could be filled by any tight end. So it's really hard to... I, mean, I heard you guys talking earlier, you know, that Pitts is already up so high, but mm-hmm. I don't blame anyone taking him yeah. that high just because we're all desperate. We're all unless you have one <laughs> of those three, you're 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 desperate at tight end. Indeed, indeed. And we'll uh, we'll wrap up on uh on the on the Seahawks now. We'll move on to the Cardinals. Uh we've got the uh we're obviously going to be starting at the QB position, so take it away, Ali. <laughs> yeah, so the Cardinals added another couple of receiving options for Kyler Murray, so one in the draft in, in Rondell Moore and then AJ Green in free agency. Um, so can you see Kyler taking another step forward in 2021 and finishing higher than the, the QB3 finish that he had in, in 2020? His, his current ADP is, is the quarterback three. I think it'll be tough for him to not make the improvement because they're just adding even more talent around him, but to do enough to leapfrog Mahomes and Josh Allen, because that's who we can presume will be the number one and two quarterbacks. Mahomes, we already know how off the charts he is throwing the ball. And then Allen has that added rushing ability and just has, he's the only running back right now in, in Buffalo. So I just did a little breakdown on Kyler. So from year one to two, his pass attempts went up by only 16 attempts. The completions, however, went up by 26. That only led to a 249-yard total increase and a six-touchdown increase. The big spike in his value, his rush attempts went up by 40. His uh, rushing yards went up by 275 and seven more rushing touchdowns. For him to have a Lamar Jackson MVP-type season, he'll either A, have to hit that 35 passing touchdown threshold, B, break the 1,000 yards on the ground while still maintaining close to that 10 to 11 touchdown clip, or C, do both. We know he's not as much of a passer as Mahomes or Allen, and he does have the rushing edge over Mahomes. So at best, I honestly can see quarterback two at the most. Well, and I I, I don't want to just make this a – a, an hour of just agreement among all four of us all, all segment long. But I, I do, if anything, I could f- see it's more likely that he falls down from mm-hmm. the number three spot than, than climbs over one of those other two guys. And not based on anything other than just the, the randomness of, of touchdowns. Like you were talking about, 11 rushing touchdowns last year. And he is a rushing quarterback. He's not a rushing first quarterback. He's a passer. He's plenty proficient in that area. He's making improvements there, as all quarterbacks do. But the issue is the entire team had 22 rushing touchdowns. So that means he had half of half yeah, of wow. them, <laughs> which is insane. His rookie season, he had 22%. That jumped to 50%. Um, that's, that's probably not going to happen again. Um, it's not saying that he might he might increase his passing touchdowns and get to that 35 number you were talking about, Alex, but I, I I don't see that helping. And if you just take it, take those away, I know it's a lot to take seven touchdowns away to bring him back down to where he was his rookie year, but if you do that, he just falls all the way down to quarterback nine from last season, which is still great. That's that's still an awesome QB one season. But it's just it shows you a little bit that if we play with these numbers just a tiny bit, all of these guys can be great, 
there, there's a eight or nine guys where you can be sure, oh, if I have one of these guys, I'm going to be competing every week. I'm going to have a chance to get that 30, 40-point week out of my quarterback. It's going to be a good time. And he's one of those guys. Uh, my concern with him for Dynasty is just, just going to be what we saw at the end of last year with the injury and with how his play seemed to fall off after he had that. I'm sure he'll be healthy going into this season, but this was always an issue that people were going to bring up. Oh, his height, oh, his size, this, that, and the other. And plenty of guys have overcome size. That's not an issue. But rushing quarterbacks consistently run into this injury wall where really there's only been a couple that sustained. So far, Lamar Jackson has been fine. Russell Wilson has been plenty fine. Some years his rushing comes down um, and he doesn't run as much. But again, it's really hard to find a guy who rushes this much. Typically over their career, the rushing comes down as you get more comfortable in the offense. We saw that with Josh Allen last year. For his rushing numbers to start going up, and if he runs even more this season, I might be concerned in a dynasty. Yeah, I really like Kyler Murray. I think he's part of he's in my in, in my rankings. <laughs> yeah, he's he's top four in my rankings, and that's a, that's a tier in its own for me. I think mm-hmm. that that rushing upside is is outstanding. Um, last season as well, we actually saw a bit of a step forward in the passing. Um, it wasn't a lot of an, an increase in the yardage, but um, he got six extra touchdowns than than his rookie season. And I do think that the weapons have had AJ Green. I know he, he gets laughed at quite a lot because um, he wasn't very good last season. He had over 100 targets and didn't do a ton with him. I think he had less than a 50% catch range. <clears throat> but I think him and Rondale Moore very different wide receivers. are going to get a lot of Christian Kirk in the slot as well. Um, he might actually turn his career around because he's been a bit of a bust. And they've got um, a top 12 dynasty wide receiver in New Hopkins um, to tie it all together, really. So, yeah, the, the question about him being potentially finishing Ivan QB3 uh, from last season. I think he's got that. He's got QB1 overall potential if he, if he takes a step forward in passing and somehow manages to get 11 touchdowns. It's going to be tricky. Um, but, yeah, I think nailed on top four in Dynasty for me. Um, what about you, Ali? Yeah, I just I want to ask a quick question. Whereabouts do you have Kyler in your Dynasty rankings? Do, I've got him as my QB3 just behind Josh Allen, but there's a lot of people that have him just above... Josh Allen, um, and some people have have Dak in that mix or Lamar. So whereabouts do you guys have him? I have him as a QB five personally. I have Mahomes one, Herbert two, Allen three, Dak four, and then Kyler five. We saw what Dak was doing last year before he got hurt. Yeah, is he gonna throw for seven thousand yards? <laughs> but with that, that weapons that they have around him, the increased usage of Tony Pollard in the receiving game as well, hopefully a healthy uh, Blake Jarwin, they're just gonna be they're gonna be loaded. And as an Eagles fan, it's a nightmare. Oh, Eagles! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I have him sitting right at right at four, just because I don't know what to do with Deshaun Watson at this point. He's kind of hovering outside all of the rankings. Uh, mm-hmm. If if he were moved to a different team, I would probably put him right above Kyler. If he's where he is now, or something even worse is going on, then obviously he'll be below Kyler. So I have him getting right around four right now with Dak, you know, coming up on his heels. And my concern with not to turn it into a, a, a Dak podcast uh, or, or a Dak live stream, but <laughs> my concern is just going to be the the offensive line that they are so talented and made of glass. So if there's anything that's going to go wrong, I don't think it's going to be on Dak's end. I think it's going to be that offensive line group. Uh, but we'll see. But we'll see. For now, yeah, I, I don't think you could – find much worse than Kyler Murray as your quarterback one. Yeah, it's going to be a star. We'll, uh, we'll move on to the running back uh, backfield now. We've got a bit, a bit of change in this backfield. Kenyon Drake left and James Connor came in, so just want to get you guys thoughts on the backfield as a whole, how you see it playing out, and do you think that Eve Redmond's or James Connor can be a top 15 running back for this season? And just to give a bit of context from Dynasty, 
Chase is going at RB26. Connor's going at RB36. Well, I feel I feel a couple ways on this. First is that I, I think coming out the gate, it's going to be a committee. I think that's what they want. I think that's what they were looking for from Drake. Um, and so I think they saw Edmonds can do a lot more than what they expected of him, but he's a smaller guy. He's probably not going to hold up to a full season workload of feature back type of guy. I think he could, but I don't think that they think that. So I, they brought in Connor to be a, an early down guy who can play all three downs in need B, but can make this a committee. And hopefully Edmonds gets a bigger role, but I find it really hard if they're both hell, healthy to either one of them to be a top 15 guy. I think the easiest way for that to happen would be for something to happen to Connor and then to force themselves into giving Edmonds, you know, 15 to 20 touches a game rather than 10 to 15. But uh, I don't want to wish that on anybody. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I feel like they're both back-end RB2 flex area type of guys where if they are your RB2 going into the year, you're going to be pretty nervous. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment that I don't really – either of them have like the highest ceiling because it is going to be a committee early on. But if I did have to go with one of them to do it, assuming they both still stay healthy, I would still go Chase Edmonds. Because Edmonds, he, I think he, he's more efficient as a receiver. He had over 70 targets last year. He's progressed as a receiver each year. Even though he's smaller in height, he's still over 200 pounds. He still has a decent size. He finished as the RB25 in PPR last year, but that was with a minimal workload on the ground. I think he had barely over 100 attempts, but most of his work came in the receiving game. With that, once again, going back to the expansion of the 17 games, I really think that's going to make these committee backs even more of a mess. So I don't really see either of them like going to the moon, having that RB10, 12, 15 ceiling. Like you were alluding to, I think that back end RB2 range is more realistic and if you're rolling with them as one of your flexes, I think you're in a decent spot. Which means you're either loaded at the receiver or quarterback position. But if you have to slot them in your RB slot, I would be a little wary going into the year as well. Yeah, I think it's pretty crazy last year that both Edmonds and Kenyon Drake got top 25 running backs in fantasy. Um, I think if you're hoping for James Conner to be, replicate Kenyon Drake and be running back 16, I think that's not going to happen. Um, and then just thinking about being a Chase Edmonds owner in Dynasty, you've had a perfect off-season, really, in respect that James Connors come in, he's, he, he did all right at the start in Pittsburgh, but I think that was more to do with the system and the offense around him than pure from a pure talent level. So Chase Edmonds owners will be pretty happy, and because they've been high on him before this off-season, they're probably going to be higher on him now. So, yeah, out of the two, I, I'd want... I'd want Edmonds um, top 15, probably not. But uh, like I said, there's, there's definitely going to be opportunity there with that extra game as well. What's your thoughts, Sally? Yeah, I think if I'm hot, if I have Chase Edmonds on my team right now, I'm, I'm definitely trying to sell him. I think the opportunity is there to sell high, well, as high as you can do. Um, uh, I think Connor Wolves, it'll be a committee with them too. Um, in terms of will I end up with any shares of, of these? Um, Probably not. I think that they're both in that range where I'm trying to grab wide receivers. I'll typically go running back, running back early. So, um, but yeah, if, the, if they're my running back free or, or in my flex play, then and I'm, I'm happy with that. But definitely not as my my RB two. Um, but but yeah, Chase Evans. I think it's a good opportunity to to sell as high as you can on him right now. Indeed. I would say just for dynasty purposes, both of them completely unrestricted free agents in 2022 being James Conner and Chase Edmonds. So I, obviously this is Conner's second team, but for Edmonds that does bring a little bit of an opportunity to maybe explore his options elsewhere, maybe be part of an even better committee with a, with a better role or have his own job if this year goes well for him. Yeah, he's a... That is an interesting point that if he has another good season, he could get his 
it's pretty cool. They might want to be kept in, in Arizona. He might have a, a better offer from elsewhere. So definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, and we'll now move on to the wide receiver core for the Cardinals. I know we've got a couple of questions because it's a very interesting uh, position uh, for the Cardinals. Yeah, we'll, we'll start with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he's currently being drafted as what, the wide receiver 10 in Dynasty Startups. Um, he's obviously getting on a bit in age, but he's still that target hog of the team. Are you guys still happy to have him as your wide receiver one on your team? Is current ADP's of wide receiver 10 being drafted at the back of the fourth round? I'm absolutely good with uh, Hopkins as my wide receiver one. The only time he wasn't one was when he had Brock Osweiler, and the Texans literally <laughs> traded a second-round pick with him to get him off their team. That's amazing. Sorry, Kai. Sorry, Kai. I had, had to bring that listen, up. Listen, I just live here. I am not a Texans, <laughs> Texans fan. You just hear a sufferer on the buy stand. I just but live God. here. I don't know. If he's your wide receiver one, taking him at the 4-11, 4-12 range, that means you either double-tapped quarterback, mm-hmm. double-tapped running back, or have mostly a combination of those two positions in your first three picks. That means you're already set at the positions with more volatility. You already know what you're going to get from Hopkins. You're going to get 130 targets. You're going to get well over 1,100 yards. You're going to get six to eight scores. And that's what you're looking for from your wide receiver one. Yeah, he's on the back end of his prime. He's probably at his peak value. But if you're looking to win now and you take him as your wide receiver one, that'll be feeling pretty going into the season. Or if just the way the draft board has fallen to you, how in, uh, with, with, if that's the, where he's going in startup drafts, I mean, you can't tell me that's not an intriguing wide receiver too. Yeah, I mean, then your your team is mm-hmm. set up, and you don't have to worry about that position until much later on in the draft. Sometimes I like to do that. It's it's hard to feel that way at running back, just because those guys their their spans are so short that you want to churn through them. But at wide receiver, I would feel more than comfortable with taking a couple of those guys early, and then just waiting and then picking up the scraps. But uh, yeah, I what intrigues me the most about Hopkins, I feel like he's right in that middle of the wide receiver ones, right? He's not one of the elite guys that we think of anymore as Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, those guys. But he's not, you know, down towards the end of that group either. I feel like he's right in the middle. But last year, he's on a brand new team, brand new offense, n- very limited uh, training camp. Uh, no preseason, Zoom meetings all the time, and he comes right out the gate as as uh, the destruction uh, nuke that he is. So uh, if the, if he can take another step and get back towards, even though he's getting towards the back half of his career, if he can get towards the front half of the wide receiver ones this year, then he might go even a little bit higher uh, next offseason. Yeah, I mean, he's... Look at his last few years. His top five, like automatic, he's so good. I, I have I have my reservations about him moving teams. If he'd get the volume, how he'd be in a different spot, you never know how he's going to be used. There's a lot of talk that Cliff Kingsbury he, he distributes it all over the place. But again, he was he was used like like a magnet. 160 targets, 10 a game. Um, yeah, he's just an automatic guy. I think he's he's probably still undervalued. Wide receiver 10. Mm-hmm. It, it could be higher. I mean, <laughs> we, we look at age 28, and that, that is why he's, he's lower. But, he's, I mean, you're playing Dynasty, you're thinking about two- and three-year windows, and you've got to think there's guys going above him in Dynasty startups where over the next three years, they're not going to be outscoring him. So, yeah, I think Hopkins, great value at the back of the fourth. And I think just considering like your, your strategy in your startups, if you're – Let's say you've got, I don't know, 104, 105, and you, you start with Kyler Murray. You've potentially got a stack option in the fourth, for the back of the fourth, with New Hopkins. And I know stacking, it's more of a, a best ball theory as such, but people people are, are clocking on now and they're starting to use it in redraft and dynasty yeah. as well. That's that's absolutely giving you such a higher ceiling uh, to win your weeks if, if, the, if there is a big game. And just the last thing on Hopkins <laughs> that I remember from last season, um, that Hail Murray play against the Bills, <laughs> that was just the best play of the season for me. 
And that that clip of Kyler Murray smiling before he threw it to sticks in my yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. But yeah, and then just one last thing, the stacking. Uh I I don't mind it. I sometimes if it if it feels right, then do it. You know, you don't hold back. But just in Dynasty, even more than redraft, it just it puts a magnifying glass on that. Uh uh or what what's the opposite? It makes it big. <laughs> it makes that decision even bigger uh where the highs are even higher and the lows are even lower because if you're if you're stacking a situation and that situation it blows up then you have even more value and if you're stacking it and it doesn't work out then you lose even more value so you just have to keep that in mind with how you're building your team does it feel right does it feel right is stacking right for you that's just that's what you have to figure out but i think if if it lines up where he's the next pick i don't mind doing that at all Indeed, indeed. We'll have to see how stacking goes. I know, uh, I know, in one of our fantasy wildcard teams that me and Matt have started, we, we've gone for the the Dak and the Cooper stacks, uh, and we've got a bit of Jowin in there as well. So that is that is crazy coming from an Eagles fan like myself. So and, and Matt's a Giants fan, so it's even worse. It's just like, what are we doing? Oh Lord. We had a melt. We had a meltdown. Um, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what happened, but <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll keep it at the wide receiver court. Like we said, it's very exciting. Um, Next guy I want to talk about is, um, well, it's two guys actually, Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk. Just how pleased you are with Rondale's landing spot and where you stand on Christian Kirk in Dynasty. And to give context, Moore's ADP is wide receiver 51 and Kirk's ADP is a mind-boggling wide receiver 84. Oh, Rondale Moore. <laughs> Rondale is king. Just leaving it at that. Go he, off. Uh, Go off on him. They don't care about side, clearly taking Kyler 101, Rondell with their first pick in the second. He is an elite athlete, to say the least. He can do an all-facets of the game, nominated as a true freshman at Purdue against some of the better competition in the Big Ten. Went off in the two games against Ohio State, other than Sean Wade, that entire secondary's top two-round picks. Went off for 178 yards in the two games. On his 148 targets, as a true 18-year-old freshman, kid can barely drive, had 114 grabs, 12.58, and 12 as a freshman, with another 7.44 in the return game. 2,000 yards as a true freshman. That's all Ray Garvin comp him to Steve Smith, and that's just as spot on as it can get. The play style, he moves like a running back with the ball in his hands. He's so aggressive. He's so dangerous when he has the ball in his hands. They put him on the outside. Kyler is going to get him the ball quick. They put him in the slot. He's going to going to get off the line incredibly fast with that incredible footwork and create a lot of those layup throws for Kyler. I truly think Rondell Moore will have 100 targets this year. Looking at how Christian Ooh. Kirk Ooh. Christian Kirk had 79 last year. The corpse of Larry Fitzgerald had 72. <laughs> you put a freak athlete in the slot with what Kyler wants to do, with what Cliff wants to do with that offense, I truly think he's going to be a top 24 receiver this year. That's amazing. I see. Well, all right. You, you started the fire, and uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I, I can do two things. I can grab – some tinder and some more fuel and toss it on, or I can grab my wet blanket, which is what I'm gonna do, and try to put this fire <laughs> out and save some out, of these dynasty out. teams from Rondell Moore. Look, I, he's very talented. I appreciate everything he's done in college. The, there are there are two things that worry me. One is he's surrounded by DeAndre Hopkins and a bunch of other guys that do what he does. So he's going to need to, and I think he can, but he's going to need to beat out Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella and these guys that they've invested in, which is fine. They, they could do that. Obviously, they weren't satisfied. They spent the pick on him. They're, they're not satisfied with their wide receiver core as is, but I, I feel like Nuke sucks a lot of oxygen out of this offense, and there's room for other wide receivers to have success. I don't know that there's room for another top 24 wide receiver unless we see Kyler having a big jump. I think this offense is great for what he does well, 
I think that's going to work phenomenally, like you were saying. If I had to pick of the 32 starting quarterbacks, which one is am I going to be concerned about? It's going to be the shortest starting quarterback seeing him. He, if It's not a problem. But at the same time, it's hard to see why it wouldn't be. You know, that's the problem with him is if he were, you know, if Kyler's throwing to these trees uh, like Nuke and A.J. Green, then his height's not a problem. If Rondell's Moore's catching balls from guys, you know, like Josh Allen and some of these trees at quarterback, that's not a problem. Kyler Murray can get out of the pocket. He has ways that he can see the field. It just makes it a little bit harder when his, his receiver is harder to see as well. Rondo Moore can get open. I'm not going to be concerned about that at all. I just don't know if there's room in this offense for another guy as long as Nuke's there. I don't think the height's going to be as big a problem as other people will, but I'm not going to ignore it either. So I like where he's going in Dynasty, but I think it's going to take a minute, and it might take Nuke you know, reaching that age 30 season and kind of taking some step back for Rondell to really show us what he's got. Going to add a little more fuel to the Rondell fire. <laughs> got some kerosene in there? I got a little more. I got some kerosene on okay, me. bring it, bring it. So, Tyler, his rush attempts went up by 40. Not all of them were designed rush plays. We could assume only, we'll, we'll say 30, 30% of them were. So, that still leaves about another 30 or so target, targets taken away from those non-designed runs. Assuming those targets went solely to Larry Fitzgerald or Christian Kirk, that would have meant two receivers over 100 targets. I think with Moore's ability so close to the line that I think he would be able to to get that ball in his hands quicker rather than him scrambling, being like, oh, I can't make get the throw down the field. I'm going to have to take off some money. Oh, I can't get anywhere. Oh, Rondell's right here. Let me give him a quick layup ball. Very interesting indeed. I love the the flames on flames. I guess <laughs> Rondale. I love that. Um, any any closing thoughts on Rondale and Christian Kirk? I know we've got our co-host Matt sat in the lobby, so I'll be open for some positive words about Christian Kirk. I'm afraid I can't. I can't give him any. To be honest, I think Ron Rondale's a big a big upgrade on on Kirk. Um, I'm definitely in the Rondale camp. It's just for me whether he can stay healthy. Um, we've seen his injury struggles in in college. If he does, um, it, absolutely, he can be wide receiver two on this team. Um, and the sky's the limit. We've seen what he can do. He's physically so he's gifted. He's strong. He's fast. So he's got everything. So for me, just if he can stay healthy, then then absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, I think Kai's dog really summed up Christian Kirk really well uh, on that. Uh, yeah, he went fifty-nine minutes and he was totally fine with everything, but he couldn't just stand my my slander on his boy Rondell Moore. I don't, I don't get it. I, I mean, I'm gonna have to get him a jersey now. One of those little dogs. I love that. That's superb. So that brings us to the end of the Cardinals. Brings us to the end of uh, an hour with the the Ball Blast Football Boys. So. Um, first of all, just thank you for coming on and uh, coming on the stream, supporting the show, um, supporting the, the charity streamathon. Um, so please tell the audience about where they can find you and anything you've got coming up in the near future. Kai, you can start it off. Yeah, I'm uh, obviously overall at Ball Blast Football, doing some writing over there, doing some editing over there. This is sort of a slower time of the year, but it doesn't mean we don't have stuff in the works cooking. There's all kinds of articles on there. Check it out. Check out the podcast. We have a new Dynasty podcast as well, just relaunched. So check that out, the Ball Blast Dynasty playbook with John and Jake and Victoria. So go check those guys out. Um, and then thank you guys for doing this. Obviously, thanks for letting us on. It's been fun to chat with you guys about these teams. I feel like we're smarter. I feel like the audience is smarter. And I hope that people – take out their checkbooks or credit cards or whatever they're using these days, your PayPal, your Venmo, <laughs> take whatever you got, cross it these guys way for doing this. There's, there's so much good that can be done with this money and any that you guys have is going to be appreciated. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, and yeah, I just had a blast. Yeah. Kev, Ali, thank you again, you guys for having us on. 
great cause. As soon as Kate even reached out and was like, hey, like this is what they're doing. I looked more into it, called that it was mine that you guys were supporting. I was like, I absolutely need to get on. It was great chopping it up with you guys, getting to talk some ball. Long, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> but it was uh, for a great cause, and I was really glad, glad to be here. You can find all my written stuff on Ball Blast. But behind the scenes, I am working on something with a triple play fantasy, which should be coming out in the next week or so. Yeah, and I think as well, just before you guys go, it'd be rude of us not to mention the recent uh, Ball Blast ballsy bracket that's been going on. I know two of two of our biggest hype men. Um, we've got the Dynasty Island was in the final with uh, with Best Ball UK NFL, Tom Strachan, the two big fans of our show, and it was great to see them guys in the final uh, of, of that. So. Um, that, that got a lot of uh, traction this week. It was great to be voting from uh, the several burner accounts that I do have. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, th- thanks for coming on, guys, and uh, all the best. Uh, thanks for having us. Absolutely, and don't don't find me. These guys on. got two more hours. So, yeah, a couple um, more hours. Don't leave just because we're leaving. I know you're. T- <laughs> don't do it. Stick around. Nope. Have some more great game. <laughs> yeah, keep it. Yeah, thank you, guys. See you later. Cheers, thank guys. You. Take care. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game.